today. So, uh, Logan's here. <laughs> so, we usually do good cop, bad cop. Right? And uh, I'll leave it to any, everybody else to figure out who's who. I'm just moderately irritable. Uh, let's look at... Um, Trying to decide. Let, let's look at Acts chapter 20 this morning. I, I, I want to look at something. I've never noticed this, and this morning I just happened to turn here. And then we're going to go to 2 Corinthians 8. But I, I just want to look at this real quick. Paul is speaking here. This is, this is Paul speaking. And um, verse 27, he says, For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. You know, there are things in that council that we don't necessarily like to talk about. You know, maybe because of things we've experienced, you know, places we've been. But Paul said, I, I've not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. To feed the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. So that's interesting that he uses that word purchase. Verse 29, For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own self shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn every one night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I command you to, or commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. Now this morning when I read that, I, I'd never noticed that this verse is with what I'm about to read. Because we've talked a lot about, we've taught a lot on this verse, right? That we are to teach people about the grace of God. And uh, when we talk about grace, you know, even he even says it here, to give you an inheritance. So a lot of times we talk about grace, we're talking about what we receive. Right? We're talking about what Jesus has done for us and what we receive because of that. But notice what Paul does here. He says, verse 33, this is really interesting. He says, I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. I have showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Yeah. I'd never noticed that those two verses were so close together mm-hmm. and that they were in the same conversation. So Paul says, here's what I want to do. I want to make sure you're always taught the grace of God. But you need to remember something. It's more blessed that you learn to give than you learn to receive. Um, Something we need to realize is that, that giving is not an issue of law. Giving is actually an issue of grace. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I want to point this out to you. So I want you to notice this. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. These two chapters are are the new covenant teaching on giving, sowing, and reaping. And um, I want you to notice something. It's interesting here in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, Paul never uses the word law. 
But he uses the word grace over and over and over and over. Because giving is an issue of grace. Why? Because the attitude of grace is giving. It's what grace does. Grace just learns to give. Um, We use the definition of grace as unmerited favor. And I'm okay with that. But here's something interesting. You can look in all the Greek dictionaries you want to. You'll never find that definition. Never. Now, I'm okay with it. But it's incomplete. Okay, it's not inaccurate. It's accurate. But it's incomplete. But what you will find is that word charis in the Greek. You will, you will find that, you know, my favorite definition is the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life. Yes. Mm-hmm. How is it reflected in the life? It says, the, it, then it follows, it says, especially gratitude. Yes, that's good. Gratitude is always expressed through giving. Yes. Not always financially, but it's always expressed through giving. Whether it's thank you, you're giving someone, right? That, that's grace. Thank you, right? Um, I was sitting there thinking this morning, you know, I, I'm, in a, I'm in a somber place uh, this morning. I, I found out yesterday uh, one of my first mentors who really taught me to walk with Jesus, uh, that he passed away yesterday. And, but it's one of those weird places where you're sad, but you're so happy. Yeah. Yeah. And... Um, I don't remember him ever giving to me finances, but I remember him giving me a lot of his time. And he wasn't a minister. He didn't preach. But he gave me so much of his time. The two most valuable things we can give, I truly believe this, is of your finances and of your time. Let me explain why. You're limited with both. So when you give someone of your finances or when you give someone of your time, you're giving them something that you know is limited. That is powerful to me. And and I thought about how Mike, that was his name, lived such a selfless life. Every day he went... You know how he had a gift of healing. And you know, you've heard people when you believe in healing, they say, well, why don't you just go clear out the hospitals? This man literally tried. Every morning, every single morning, he went to the local hospital and went to every single room and prayed for people. How much time? How much time? He literally, that, that probably came up that he literally tithed his day, so to speak. You know, and so I, I just... I thought about that and just how that made an impact on me. And there's other ministers who, you know, we we were talking about that yesterday. He just ministered to us so much of his time. And so that's just what what was that what was that the result of him doing that? Grace. That was a divine influence on upon his heart and its reflection in the life was pouring into other people. So we pour into one another. By giving, whether, like I said, it's finances, whether it's our time, whether it's encouragement. You know, there's, there's many ways to give. But I want to show you this. Giving is an act of grace, or it's an issue of grace, not of law. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. He says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to know 
of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. So here he was saying there were people who were in deep poverty, but yet they abounded in their giving. This is powerful to me because the most giving people I know, you know, you all know, but for those who don't, I'm from Appalachia where poverty is the norm. The most gracious people I know, the most giving people I know are in Appalachia. Just give. It's just their nature to give. I've shared stories here how, uh, you know, my grandmother who raised me taught me when a kid doesn't have money, you give them yours. And I don't mean bullying. I mean, but when you know at lunchtime, snack time, a kid doesn't have money, you give them yours. And there, there, I got to a place in my life where teachers, if a kid came to them and said, I don't have money, they would send them to me. <laughs> because they knew I had it. Right? Because here's what she did. She didn't say you do without. She gave me what I needed. And then some. Right? That, what is that? That's what that's the, that, that, that is the divine influence upon the heart. And it's reflection in the life. Right? Uh, verse 3. For to their power I bear record, yes, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves. Here's the thing, though. Giving must always come from a place of being willing. It's never something you take. Right? It's something you give. Praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Insomuch that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, he would also finish in you the same grace also. And I'm pointing this out because we talk a lot about the laws of the kingdom, and there are laws to the kingdom, and we look at there being laws to prosperity and things like that. But first and foremost, giving is an issue of grace. And I think it's important that we see that. Therefore, now notice this. Therefore, as you abound in everything, in faith. We've got a lot of teaching on that. How to abound in faith. That you abound in utterance and knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to us. We teach on all those things. But notice what he says. See that you abound in this grace also. What's the grace he's talking about? Giving. If you don't understand what's being said here, you know, there's a church... They're struggling. And this other church, even though they're in poverty, they, because of the divine influence upon their heart, they want to give to these people. And so, um, so Paul says, listen, this is great. And you need to continue to grow in this grace. Grow in this grace. I think that's... that's and that, that's not necessarily an amount. That's just... You just... Listen, here's the, fun, here's the way giving works. When you give, it becomes addictive. It really does. It's fun. Like giving is just fun. It's it's just um, I can't tell you how many times. One of my favorite ways to give is you know leaving tips, and um, and I can tell you how many times. And I don't do it to be like, okay, here, here's this gift. Now let me tell you about my church. Right? Let me let me let me tell you about let me tell you about my messages on YouTube. Let me tell you about my podcast. Right? I never tell them that. You know, um, 
I always give them, but I can't tell you how many times we've, we've gave to them and they will come find us with tears in their eyes, yeah. share some story with us, and then, I, then all I'll say is I don't tell them I'm a minister. I don't tell them, I've, you know, we've got this church. I just say, well, Jesus just wanted you to know he loves you today. That's the divine influence upon the heart. That's right. Right. Um, a couple more verses, then we're finished. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. And then look here. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, that you through His poverty might be rich. And so what's the point of that? That's just Paul saying, listen, you know God's taking care of you. You know He's going to take care of you. So you're free to give. See, that's important because as long as you don't think God's taking care of you or that He will take care of you, you, you hold on to. Yeah, right. Right? Um, but when you know He's taking care of you and He's provided everything that you need, you know you're free to give. I don't have to worry about it. He's got my back, right? Um, and, and you aren't the source, right? You aren't my source. And it's important to know that we're, we're no one's source, but God uses us. God uses people, right? Um, money just doesn't, you know, like money grows on trees. Money doesn't just fall from the sky. God is not developing U.S. currency in heaven, right? Um, we're the vessels he uses. We're the hands that he uses. And that's powerful. And that, that's, that's just so powerful. So, so this morning... Michael was talking about honoring. Giving is an issue of honoring. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And it's not only an issue of honoring God, but it's an issue of honoring one of one another. Yeah. Yeah. Um, something I've just began doing over the last few months is, man, when I hear someone teach something that blesses me, I immediately give to them. Yeah. Even if it's a buck. Yeah. You know, even if it's a dollar, two dollars, I'm just like, here you go. Because that blessed me. And it's my way of saying thank you. I honor the gift that God has placed on the inside of you, and I honor that word that He gave you in this season for me. All right? That's that's powerful. That's special. So if you need a giving envelope, you can raise your hand. Um, Father, we thank you for this this uh, opportunity to give. We thank you for every seed sown this morning. We know that it will will cause a great increase, and that it is blessed mightily in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good teaching, man. Praise it's God. Really. Yeah, man, it's it's got to be taught on. It's really it's important, man, because it is one of the most abused areas in the body of Christ, for sure. You think uh, you could bring a grant to the Cataractus? All people need to know that giving is fun. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. I had an offering on one of my favorite money. You didn't know what happened to it. Grant's like, thanks, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> did it teach you much here? It did, so it's all good. Is that it? I don't know. I don't know. It's cool. It's all good. I don't know. I'll probably put it somewhere. How are you going to do the announcements? Come on up here. Come on up here and let everybody know what's going on. I'll try to get I'll try to get Lily. Lily's ready for children's church. Lily's like, whatever. She's got her blueberries and all in her hand. Hallelujah. Alright, there's the men's prayer breakfast, which is the eleventh. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Uh, men's prayer breakfast is this coming Saturday. 
And so it's going to be awesome. Come in here, eat bacon. Let's talk about Jesus. Amen. Mm -hmm. We need people to cook and stuff still. Nine a.m. Now nah, I'm just going to I'm just going to buy all the food. Okay. I don't feel like dealing with it. So. And then we are going to have um, the next outreach at the shelter is on the 13th, March 13th. Um, do you want to talk about that? No, everybody knows. Six o'clock. Six o'clock. Six o'clock. Monday. Monday night at six. Monday the 13th, six o'clock down at yeah. the gathering place, and then we're, they feed we feed everybody, and then music, minister, take food out after it's over, stuff like that. People get saved, six set free, healed, great. And then we are going to start doing our home Bible study at our house um, on March 22nd, yes. 6.30. If you need our address, just ask one of us or message us or whatever. We'll send you our address. We usually all meet and we'll have food and... Um, Ethan's going to watch the kids. Hey. Hopefully it's nice out and we can, the kids can play outside. We can be outside. If not, we'll all be in the house. So the 20th, I mean the 22nd, March 22nd. Yep. That's it. That's good. Very, very cool. Awesome. All the little people follow Stacy. Right? But who's a little person? Ethan, the survival. Yeah, well. We pay, we pay him too, so it's, let's turn to Malachi chapter 4, y'all. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Um, you know, last week we were um, just talking about how God is uh, sending a new pattern and how things are changing and, um, and how uh, we took a look at what that pattern looked like. And we don't know completely the pattern, but we know that it's not going to be man-centered. It's not going to be man-focused. It's going to be focused on Jesus. And, um, and then, you know, towards the second half, we started looking at how God is sending forth the, the spirit of Elijah into the land during a time of transition. Now, um, Elijah, I don't think Elijah, you know, Elijah is a typology of something that God is doing. Uh, Elijah definitely represents the prophetic uh, definitely represents the voice of God, the, the heartbeat of God, the fathering of God, and um, a part of what God is doing. Well, how many know we're in a time of transition right now? Amen. Yeah. Everybody knows that. We can all feel it. Um, and we've been that way for some time. Things are changing. God's about to do some really new and different things. Um, he's already started doing it. It's going to continue to. And I'm excited about it. I don't know exactly what it is, but whatever it is, I want to get. I want to get on board. Yeah. And uh, because uh, I'd, I'd rather be a novice in the new than an expert in what is dying. Yeah. And uh, there is a transition that's happening in the body of Christ, and there are things that are dying, and there are things that are being born fresh and new. And I mean, all thing you got to do is humble yourself. Yeah. And if you humble yourself, God will fill you, and you can become a new wineskin, and you can be a part of the new. Amen. Everybody in here ready to admit they're wrong about some stuff? I am. I mean, I need it. Like I need. You know, that's a part of what what truth does. I mean, truth comes and it brings you know a sense of correction. And uh, we want correct. How many know when you receive correction, you also receive direction? And um, I don't ever want to get to this place where I'm an expert on God. And I want to remain in a place of being teachable and want to just let God do what God wants to do. Because how many know God has a plan to rescue this generation? Can I get an amen? He's got a plan to do that. And, and a part of that plan is the releasing of um, just, the, just the spirit of Elijah. And when I'm talking about, how many know there's only one Holy Spirit? Can I get an amen? amen. Let's, let's, let's keep things from getting weird um, real quick. Let's make, but, but the way that God moves um, there, during times of transition is for some reason, 
he sends Elijah. So I'm going to read you a couple passages of Scripture, then we're going to take a look at his life. Malachi chapter 4 and verse 5. He says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And, and this is the primary purpose of Elijah. He's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. That's the primary statement that's made about him. And so in a time of transition, there's going to be a healing of the generations. I mean, you know, right now we live in a time where there's so much, the enemy's trying to produce so much animosity between genders. Yeah. Got genders fighting. Uh, so much animosity between, you know, Generation Z, Generation X, Boomers, etc., whatever, all these different labels that we place. And we don't have the ability to work together in a place of unity if I'm like, you know, that's your generation, that's your generation, this is my generation, and we start separating each other, because when we start separating each other, how many know we, we actually can weaken the things that God's trying to do? Right. I think Connie prayed it out earlier today that the, the anointing dwells upon the place of unity. Yeah. Right. And we're seeing a unity that's happening in the body of Christ. The Asbury Revivals was a great example of that. People coming together from all walks of life and all denominations, just coming to worship Jesus. We don't have to have exact doctrine. We don't have to go to the same church. I mean, we can rally around the Lord. And so there's a place of unity that's necessary in preparation for the Lord's return. And a part of that healing is turning the hearts of the fathers to the children, hearts of the children to the fathers. Um, I'll read you a couple more. Uh, that was a prophecy concerning the future. And then, how I many know, when John the Baptist came, he came in the spirit of Elijah. And what did he do? Let's look at it. Uh, Luke 1 and verse 16. It says, He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and He will also go before Him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. The Lord always sends a forerunner. He always sends somebody in front of Him to get everybody ready for His return. How many of Jesus is coming back? Yeah. And you know, and I just saw that movie, uh, Jesus Revolution, and it was amazing. And, and, and that's actually what happened during that, that hippie Jesus movement is some father made a decision to embrace these young people rather than judging them and condemning them. And this guy, his name's Chuck, right? Pastor Chuck Smith, yeah. And, and he invited them into his church. He invited them into his home. And as a result of that, um, there, was a, there was a healing that happened. And how I many of you know revival was sparked out of that? And honestly, that, uh, that's probably the greatest awakening that we've ever seen here in America. But a part of the preparation of that was, was some, a, a father had to make a decision to turn his heart towards the kids so the kids would turn to the father. And then you see this beautiful place of unity amongst all of these people. And you see the generations coming together. And God is doing that right now. As we, as, we, as we live. And so, um, and, and we're all a part of that. You know, this is not a gender specific thing. How I many know you don't have to be a man in order to turn your heart to these young people and have a heart for these young people? You know, I was in a meeting in Harrodsburg here recently, and uh, there was a young man that was there, and he was college age. And, uh, you know, and he was just sharing. And he was like, you know, he's like, we just, we just, we need to be fathered. We need to be mothered. 
We need people to care about us. We need, because you know what happens is the enemy tries to put animosity in the older generation towards the younger generation. Well, look at them. Look what they're doing. Look what they're wearing. Look what they're listening to. Look at the things they're doing. Listen, you can be a critic and you can be a part of the problem or you can be a part of the answer. Now, listen, I'm not, I never justify sin. And God doesn't either. So I'm never saying sin is okay. But what I am saying, the people that are hurting from sin, they need somebody to come alongside them and love them, father them, and mother them. And, and, then, and here's the thing. They tur- he turns the hearts of the fathers to the children first. When that happens, the children's hearts automatically turn to the fathers. Because it's just the way things have been designed. And so this is something that God's doing in the earth, and it's in preparation for the Lord's coming, and it's going to bring a, a sense of unity um, you know, to, to the world because, you know, how many know darkness is unified? They're pretty unified right now. It's astonishing how unified they are with, with everything. You know, they're, they're unified in the media. Um, they're unified in the corporations. They're even unified <coughs> governmentally. There's a lot of unification of darkness. And now what's happening is, um, how many know the church is starting to unify? Mm-hmm. We're starting to rally around Jesus. And uh, we have... Times of challenge and times of persecution. I mean, you know, we, we had a little drop of adversity here today. Yeah. Little drop. We got no power. You know, it's a little cold. You know, we had to get coffee from Starbucks rather than brewing it ourselves. And, <laughs> yeah. and we had a little drop of, of, of adversity. But how I many you know adversity sets the stage for unity? Because we right. ever, And I just want to say thank you to everybody that came together and helped. You know, we light candles. We, we got lamps. We got, um, you know, we brought a heater. And we all come together in a place of adversity for accomplishing something, and this is a small drop. I mean, you know, there's probably some adversity in the future. Yeah. Yep, for sure. And I ain't scared. Because you know what we're going to do? We're going to come together, and we're going to unite together, and we're going to take a stand against darkness, so we're going to watch darkness fall, right? Yeah. And so, um, so that's a part of what Elijah does. He prepares the way of the Lord, and then also he restores all things. And I'm not going to go into those scriptures. I'll read them to you real quick. Matthew 3.3, 3, for this is he who spoken of, the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. So there's a preparation in the hearts of men before the Lord returns. Make, stra- make, make paths straight for his feet. Mark chapter 9 and verse 11, And they asked him, why did, the scribes say that Elijah, why did the scribes say that Elijah must come first? And when he answered and told them, Indeed, Elijah is coming first and restores all things. So this is what he does. This is what... God is doing in this, in what he's doing right now. Because I'm, I'm hesitant to say the spirit of Elijah because there's only one Holy Spirit. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Okay, thank you. I don't want to have to explain that over and over again. But I, like I said, I, I've heard so many weird things about that stuff. I don't want to step into that. There's one Holy Spirit. But what, what happens is there's restoring, there's preparing, and there's turning. And that's what's happening right now, Right? So now, turn in your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 16, and we're going to take a walk through Elijah's life, and we're going to apply it uh, to the times that we're living in right now. How many know the scriptures are prophetic? And when there's something written of old, um, certainly it's applicable of old, but it's also applicable right now as the Spirit of God breathes upon it. And so we look at, a, at Elijah's life, and when Elijah is raised up, we don't see his youth. Uh, we don't see what he does in his youth. When Elijah arrives on the scene, the nation of Israel is in a really bad place. First Kings what? First Kings 16. Thank you. The nation of Israel is in a really bad place. 
And uh, they've turned away from God. They're no longer serving God. They're no longer honoring God. And the nation itself is really turned into a place of idolatry and a place where Jehovah is uh, dishonored. Um, how many know that our nation is currently trying to remove God out of everything? Yeah. Yeah. Trying to remove God out of schools, remove God out of the government, remove God out of our culture, remove God out of, of every form of entertainment. Uh, if anyone names the name of Christ, they're immediately blackballed and removed um, out of popular culture and things of this nature. How I many know that we're in a state as a country that I've never seen before? Yeah. And what the enemy's trying to do, he's trying to remove God. So how I many know we're in a similar time? Yeah. We're in a similar time. 1 Kings 16 and verse 29, it says, In the 30 and 8th year of, of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab, the son of Omri, became king over Israel, and Ahab the son of Omri reigned over Israel and Samaria 22 years. And now Ahab the son of Omri did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all that were before him. And it came to pass as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam the son of Naboth, that he took as wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbal, king of uh, Sidonians, and he went and served Baal and worshipped him. And then he set up an altar for Baal. I mean, you know, in, in our music culture, people are openly worshiping Satan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just everywhere. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But don't sweat it because, I mean, you know, there's a showdown coming. Yeah. There's a showdown coming. And I mean, you know, our God always wins. Yeah. Uh, then he set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal, which, he, which had been built in Samaria. And Ahab made a wooden image. And Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. Now, here's the thing. This is Old Testament. Now, how many know that forgiveness and redemption is provided for all? Yeah. Every Satan worshiper, every person blaspheming the name of God, how many know they're one step away from getting saved and getting on fire for Jesus? Yeah. Can I get an amen? Yeah. So God's redemption is towards all. God will save all, right? But at the same time, God does not rejoice in evil. God does not rejoice in the death of unborn children. God does not rejoice in immorality. God does not rejoice in people being hurt and abused. And there's a lot of pain that's been happening all over the world and specifically in our country, right? And one of the reasons that we're in the state that we're in is it's been a long time since we've had a great awakening. It's been a long time since we've had a move of God. I mean, you know, it's time for the pendulum to swing in the other direction. And so God is patient, God is merciful, but God will only put up with so much crap before he steps in and does something, okay? And, uh, and so I'm not saying, how many know that the kingdom is now, the kingdom is always now, and God is always moving right now? Can you get an amen? amen. But the times in this season are in the Father's hands, and there's a set time to favor Zion. There's something called a Kairos time, and it's a set time when things happen. And it's been like that for everybody in the scriptures. There was a set time for Daniel's promotion. There was a set time um, for Joseph's promotion. There was a set time for David to take the throne. There are set time things. And all of us, we're stepping into a set time. We're stepping into the convergence of a lot of different storylines and lifelines. And there's a, there, there's a time of restoration of all things before the return of Jesus. Can I get an amen? Amen. And so God is about to do some things. So God raises up Elijah. Elijah hits the scene in 1 Kings 17. And, and now he comes on the scene. Let's read it. Verse 1. And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel is, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except 
set at my word. Now, here's the thing. And I was one of these people. How many know some people don't change until they go through the school of hard knocks? Some people don't repent or change until they experience pain and they think to themselves, oh, I don't want that. I want something different. I was that person. I had to come to the end of myself. I was a drug addict, alcoholic, atheist. I got to the place where I was homeless, crazy. Everybody gave up on me, uh, had warrants out for my arrest. Um, I was at the very end of my rope and my circumstances all around me were hell. It took all of that for me to make a decision to choose Jesus. That's how hard-headed I was. And we are in a place in this nation where people are starting to get desperate. From a financial position, how many know inflation is crazy right now? Price of eggs, price of gas, etc. How many know that just the violence that's in the land, the racial division, the anger... Everyone who has any level of discernment can recognize things are messed up and we need help. And we're also realizing we can't look to our political worldly leaders to fix things. That has become glaringly obvious to all of us, right? And so like, people are getting to the place to where they're finally at a place where they're ready to, to actually maybe consider God. And... And in this passage, there is a declaration that there's going to be no rain. So what happens, how many know when there's no rain, nothing can grow? And when there's no ability to be fruitful, and what happens is this entire nation plunges into a place of famine. Plunges into a place of major um, inflation, right? They're in a bad spot. Now, God is not the one who wanted that to happen. That is the repercussion of their decisions. God's not the author of death. God's the author of life. These people chose death. And so as a result of that, they experience that. Now hopefully for the purpose of repentance and change, right? So then it goes on. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying to Elijah, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into Jordan, And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Now listen, I want you to understand this, and I want you to get this. I don't care what type of inflation is hitting this planet. I don't care what the price of eggs are. I don't care what the price of gas is. How many know your God will provide for you and your house? God has always provided for his people. And not only does he want to provide for you in this season we're living in, he actually wants you to flourish. Because when you are reaping and no one else is reaping, you stand out. And God wants to develop within you some of the things that Grant was talking about. How many know God doesn't want to bring into your life so you can hoard it? God wants to bring in your life so it can flow out of you. So that people end up glorifying the Lord because of your giving into their lives and you helping them. Can you get an amen? Amen. We as a church have been honored to help Help people, help single moms, help people pay their bills, all these types of things. How many of you ask the calling of the church? It's not so I can live in a bigger house. <laughs> can I get an amen? <laughs> We're supposed to help. We're supposed to pour out, right? And so this passage is saying, you will drink from the brook. I've commanded the ravens to feed you there. You have to understand, God's going to take care of you in these times. Can I get an amen? amen. There's light in Goshen. We don't have to go the way of hard knocks. Right. So he went on. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. Now I want to stop and say something right here. How many know a relationship 
requires obedience. Do what God tells you to do. If God's telling you to do something, it's not because He's trying to take something from you. It's because He's trying to set you up and help you. I've lived long enough to realize that I'm an idiot without God. So if God wants me to do something, I'm going to do it because I know I'm an idiot without God. And, And so this blessing... Is a blessing that's upon you, but how many know God may ask you to do something that's unusual or different? And how many know you need to you need to listen to Him? Yeah. Whatever it looks like, whatever it is, can I get an amen? amen. And I'm talking about you hearing God for you. Right. I'm talking about you hearing God for you. I'm talking about you hearing God for you. I'm not talking about a preacher standing up telling you what you should do. Come on. Amen. I'm talking about you having your own relationship with God and you hearing God. And when God tells you to do something, do it. Because there's provision on the other side of it. There's blessing on the other side of it. Can I get an amen? Amen. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and stayed by the brook Cherif, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. Sounds pretty good. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. How many know there are different seasons of different types of provision? How many know there are times when provision's here? And if you see provision dry up, you know what's going to happen? God's going to take you and bring other provision in your life. Different seasons. If you see something drying up and you see something changing, don't get nervous. God's just setting you up. It's extremely important. And, And but the key here is what's he saying? Whatever he's saying, just do it right. Then the word of the Lord came to him. All right, his provision drew, uh, dried up here. He's about to send him somewhere else. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Zidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. And so he arose to Zarephath, and he went and came to the gate of the city. Indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks, and he called to her and said, etc. I'm not going to go into all that. But the miracle here is, is God blessed this little bit of provision this woman had. And that little bit of provision provided for her house and provided for the man of God and provided for everybody until the times that the rains came and the seasons changed. Can you get an amen? Amen. God will provide for his people. Don't get scared. Don't get nervous. Put your shoulders back. Put a spring in your step. It's time to be bold. For the Lord your God is with you. Can you get an amen? Amen. God does not just want to take care of you. He wants to take care of other people through you. So when God lays it on your heart to give somebody a couple bucks or take care of somebody's electric bill or help somebody or bless somebody, flow with it, man. Let it happen. Amen? God's going to take care of you, right? Amen. So now let's go to 1 Kings 18. And this is where the kingdoms clash. Because, you know, I've really been seeking the Lord. I'm like, God, how do you turn the hearts of the fathers back to children? Like, how do you do it? What did this guy do? Like, well, how does that happen? I like, I want to know. He just, I, he just keeps drawing me to study this out and to look into it. I'm like, how did he do it? Because, you know, John the Baptist, he didn't do any miracles. What was it about, what is it about the spirit of Elijah that turns hearts? Right? And so we're going to, and God showed me an example of this. Okay. And uh, so anyway, 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 1. And it came to pass that after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year. So they've had famine and no rain for three years. He says, go present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the earth. So Elijah went to him, went to present himself to Ahab and there was severe famine in Samaria. So God is about to bring a season change. God's about to snap the famine in half. God's about to bring provision, but in the midst of it, I mean, you know, God doesn't want to waste any crisis. Yeah. 
Why? For example, when I actually finally came to the Lord uh, and I was, you know, running from the cops and had warrants out for my arrest and all that. How I many of y'all, that darkness was important to help me come to the light. And, and if someone had rescued me out of that darkness, I may, have, I may still be on the streets today. Mm-hmm. How many of you got to be spirit-led mm-hmm. when you're providing and you're helping people? Yep. Mm-hmm. The last thing I needed was somebody to come alongside me and keep me in that state. Mm-hmm. But you know what happened? Everybody gave up on me. And God's like, okay, now it's time. I'm about to save Jeremiah Johnson because he ain't got no other options. He's going to finally choose me. And there are people in this nation that are the same way. Now, you've got to be spirit-led in all these things. There's no pattern for this. And there's all different ways of doing it. And so anyway, and so I will send rain on the earth. And so Elijah went to present himself to Ahab, and there was a severe famine in the land. And Ahab called Obadiah, who was in charge of his house. Now, I want to bring this out. Here's Obadiah. He's a part of the enemy's camp. He's, he's, he's Ahab's right-hand man, but... The Spirit of the Lord is in this man. The Spirit of the Lord is upon this man. And God actually uses Obadiah to bring forth some deliverance. And I'll just say this quickly. How many of you know there's some people in important places, in politics, in Hollywood, in the sports arena, people that God has picked and chosen out, and they're in the enemy's camp, but they're not of the enemy's camp. And there are people of influence. There's going to be Obadiahs that are going to hide the prophets in the cave. There are going to be Obadiahs that are going to help people. And there are set people who are there to show favor when it's time to come. How many you know one moment of favor can change your life more than 20 years of labor? And all you need is to meet the right person at the right time and get a little bit of help and everything can change. Can you get an amen? So God has Obadiahs that are set in place they're going to be very integral in the days ahead. Anyway, so we'll take a look at it. Now, Obadiah feared the Lord greatly, for it was so while Jezebel massacred the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah had taken 100 prophets and hid them 50 to a cave and fed them bread and water. And Ahab said to Obadiah, Go into the land to all the, the springs of water and all the brooks. Ah, just go down. We don't have, a lot, we don't have time to, to hit every single aspect of this. Um... Let's, let's get to where Elijah is here. So we go down and... and um, so he said, How have I seen that you are delivering your... So, so sorry. No. I don't have any... Alright. Now Obadiah was on his way, doing what Ahab had told him to do. Just find it. You'll, you can find it. And suddenly Elijah met him and recognized him and fell on his face and said, Is that you, my lord Elijah? So here comes... Elijah meeting Obadiah. Verse 8. Thank you. Seven or eight. You got it. You can do it in the dark. You got it. You got it. And he answered him and said, It is I. Go tell your master Elijah is here. And he said, How have I seen that you are delivering your servant in the hand of Ahab to kill me? And as the Lord your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my master has not sent someone to hunt for you. And he said, he is not here. And he took an oath from the kingdom of the nation. They could not find him. He said, go tell your master Elijah is here. So Elijah's saying, go talk to Ahab. Obadiah's like, I'm scared. I'm scared he's going to kill me. Elijah's like, go talk to him. And it came to pass, as soon as I am gone for you, the Spirit of the Lord will carry you to a place I do not know. So when I go, tell Ahab, and he cannot find me, he will kill me. But I, your servant, have feared the Lord for my youth, which is not reported to you. 
uh, what I did when Jezebel killed all the prophets. And Elijah says again, go talk to your master. And the, uh, Obadiah is scared. And he says, he will kill me. And then Elijah says, as the Lord of hosts lives before my stand, I will surely present myself to him today. So Obadiah was finally convinced. He went to meet Ahab and he told Ahab and Ahab went to meet Elijah. Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah. Now, we got the head of darkness and we got the head of light, the representation of the kingdom of God. And they're about to meet. Here's a clash of the kingdoms. This is really important for the turning of the hearts from the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. Because, how I many you know, some people are going to hear God and repent and change. And they're, and they're going to hear it uh, from an internal perspective. But how many know other people, how many know they're not going to change until they see something? There are those that are going to see in the Spirit. There are those that are going to hear in the Spirit. There are those that are going to, going to move according to the Spirit. But how many know there's a whole group of people that are not going to believe until they see it? Yeah. And that's okay. Because we want those people too. And so there's a clash of the kingdoms. There's a clash. And so Ahab says to him, Is that you, O troubler of Israel? <laughs> now here Ahab, now how many of the whole reason everything's hit the fan is because Ahab is an idiot and refuses to honor God. But how many know that Ahab is going to gaslight and going to blame Elijah for what's going on. How many of the same thing is true to this day? They want to blame us for the reason for all of their problems. They want to turn around exactly what they're doing and they want to point a finger and blame us. That's the same thing that's happening today, right? And so he immediately tries to blame God for what's going on. It's God's fault because of the egg prizes. It's God's fault. God's fault because of the wind that came. All these things. How many know we all know that's trash? And he answered, and he said, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and you followed Baal. So Elijah does not mince words, lays it out, and now it's time for the kingdoms to clash. Now therefore, send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal, and the 400 prophets of Azerah, who eat at Jezebel's table, so Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, now here's the, here's the, here's the point. How long will you falter between two opinions? Come on, come on. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. See, I mean, right now, it seems like the enemy has more power, has more influence. Enemy, I mean, I mean, we know better. But if you were to just look at the airwaves and you were to look at the media and you were to look at all the things that are going on, it would seem as if the enemy's voice is louder than God's. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And he says, how long are you going to falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow Him. But if Baal is, follow Him. And listen, the people answered Him not a word. How many know the people weren't ready... To make a decision until they saw something. See, I'm here to tell you right now, there's about to be a display of the power of God unlike anything this world has ever seen. And people will not halt between two opinions any longer. People are going to know God is real. And they're going to either choose Him or they're going to reject Him. 
And if they choose to reject him, that's on them. There's going to be no gray area in the days ahead. Light will be gathered and darkness will be gathered. There will be no middle ground ever in the days ahead. Because people are going to have to make a decision who they're going to serve. And God is so loving and so compassionate that He's giving people time. He's giving people time. He's giving people time. He's giving people time because it's not His will that any would perish. It's God's will that all men would be saved. Can you not click that? It's wearing me out. Sorry. (laughs) Give me a high five. It's on me, not on you, brother. That's my... I don't know. I just can't handle it. It probably doesn't bother anybody, but it like... like Pulls my attention. Squirrel. Squirrel. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Amen. And so the people answered him not a word. Then Elijah said to the people. Now here, we, here comes the clash. I alone am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. How many know we're outnumbered? That's okay. God loves it when we're outnumbered. Therefore, let them give us two bulls and let them choose one bull for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood. Put no fire under it, and I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the, on the wood, but, but put no fire under it. Then you shall call on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. So this is a public display of who has the most powerful God. That's right. This is what you're going to see in the day and age that you're living in. It's going to be very apparent to all. And it amazes me people still going to reject the Lord even after they see something like this. I don't think it's going to be this literal scenario because how I many you know we don't have to sacrifice oxen anymore because Jesus is the Lamb of God. But there is going to be displays in the streets of the power of God and people are going to have to choose. So all the people answered and said, It is well spoken. Now Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose one bull for yourselves and prepare it first, for you are many, and call on the name of the Lord your God and put no fire under it. So they took the bull which was given them, they prepared it. They called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice and no one answered. And then they leaped about the altar which they had made. And as soon as it was noon, Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a, he is a God. Either he's meditating or he's busy or maybe he's on a journey. Here's a little sarcasm in Scripture. I know Logan loves that. Uh, perhaps he is sleeping. Amen, <laughs> your people, right? Perhaps he is sleeping and must be awakened. And so... Because how I many know Elijah's not nervous about the power of his God? Right. Anytime you see the demonic meet the kingdom of light, the demonic bows down, there's no battle. Right. There you go. There's no fight between light and darkness, folks. Satan is not the equal of God. Satan on his best day is a stripped, fallen angel. He's a created being. Never fear darkness. Never fear the demonic realm. It has no power over you. Don't get nervous around. Don't fear. Just cast it out and move on with your life. No room for fear of darkness. It has no power. And darkness knows that. And that's why darkness always tries to operate in the shadows. It doesn't want a direct confrontation. So they cried aloud. And they cut themselves, as was their custom, with knives and lances until the blood gushed out of them. How many of the enemy doesn't have the ability to even protect his own? He don't care about them. He's ready for them all to die. And when the midday was passed, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, but there was no voice and no one answered. And look at this. No one paid attention. Enemy hates that worse than anything. He wants attention. Look at me. 
He always wants attention. <clears throat> Nobody paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come near to me. What's about to happen? Some hearts are about to be turned. Because they're about to see a public display of power. Come near to me. All the people came near to him. And listen, he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. What happens before the display of power? What's repaired? Relationship. How many of the altar is a place of intimacy? The altar is a place of prayer. The altar is a place of hunger. How many of y'all have experienced a level of change in your heart for hungering for the things of God? I have. I have personally, within just the past month, I've seen a change. And and there's a preemptive change that happens on the inside of us before this power flows. And there's nothing in here that's by mistake. He first, he said, come near, I'm going to repair the altar, I'm going to repair the place of relationship. Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob to whom the word of the Lord came saying Israel shall be your name and then with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold uh, two seeds of seed and put the wood in order he cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the wood and and then he said fill four water pots with water pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood and then he said do it a second time and then he said do it a third time So the water ran all around the altar and also the trench was filled with water. What is happening right here? God's making it as hard as He can make it. God is making it as difficult as He can make it. How many know God's work's cut out for it? It looks like there's a whole generation that's turned from God. It looks like there's a whole generation that's anti-God. How many of it looked like the same thing in the 70s? God said, let it get just as bad as you can get it and watch me work. Because he loves to do this stuff, right? Yeah. And it came to pass, I love God. He's a winner. He's a conqueror. You can't beat him. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant. And that I have done all these things at your word. God told him to do it. Yep. Hear me, O Lord. Hear me that these people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Wow. Yeah. I was like, God, how do you do it? How do you do it? How do you turn the hearts? How do you turn the hearts? He said, I'm going to make a, I'm going to do a public display of my power. Oh. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. Every adversity, every piece of darkness, every piece of impossibility in a moment of time, he changed it all. Oh, God, I love him, man. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. And so in one encounter, in one moment of time, the hearts of the children of Israel were turned away from a weak and powerless false God and came to serve the true God. Because of a display of power. Because of a display of power. Because of a display of power. How many of the kingdom of God 
It's not in word only, but in power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so the hearts of the people were turned. And Elijah said, seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. And so they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the book Cherish and, and executed them there. Now, how many know in the New Testament, the prophets of Baal become the prophets of God? Can I get an amen? Sure. We're not looking to kill anybody. We're looking to save everybody, right? And so the breakthrough happened in a moment of time. And, 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 there, and I believe that's what's happening. I mean, we, we've already seen some supernatural things happening with these outpourings on these college campuses and all these types of things. Amen. And, you know, it's just like God to choose the most, the, the people who are the most against him will be the people that are most for him. How many of you know during the time, during you know, the, the Jesus movement in the 70s, how many of you know the, the hippies who were out there and, and, and they, they weren't seeking after God, they weren't trying to honor God, they were, they were the group of people that was least likely to honor God and to serve God. And how many of you know God brought revival through those young people? Amen. And then the old people had to catch up mm-hmm. because God was moving in the young people. Because God always says the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Yeah. And so, like, God is doing the same exact thing in the times that we're living in. That group of people that you think that's never going to serve God, that group of people that you think is going to always be anti-God, God's going to birth revival in those people. That's right. Mm. Praise God. It's exciting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's so exciting. Thank you, God. Yeah. Thank you, God. Yeah. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. There, there, there's a large portion of this that I'm going to skip for sake of time. And, uh, but you study it out. Study, 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 go through this and see what God shows you. But what's happened here is what's happening now. And, and so, and when the breakthrough comes, when the rain comes, how many of the rain comes? Yeah. And, then, and then famine is broken, inflation is broken. And then they enter into a time of rejoicing. They enter into a time of abundance. Why? Because the real issue is just choose life. Don't choose death. It's always been God's presentation to mankind. I said before you, life and death, choose life. And when when they made a decision to choose life, everything changed and everything broke in just a moment of time. Amen? Now, I'm going to skip through all that, but I do want to go to... The final place. So I'm talking about the next generation. Oh gosh. And I'm talking. I can't find the scripture reference. So I'm going to read it to you. I'm talking about when Elijah finds Elisha. And puts the mantle on the next generation. It's in chapter 19. So 1 Kings 19. And then drop down towards the bottom. Oh thank you. And so let's, let's take a look at it real quick. So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plying with twelve yoke of oxen before him. And he was with the twelfth. And then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Please let me kiss my father and my mother, then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? So Elisha turned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered it and boiled their flesh and using the oxen equipment, uh, gave it to the people and they ate. And then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. Now, how many know that Elijah 
Elijah Elisha did twice as many miracles as Elijah. And, and when this, this mantle was passed to the next generation, the next generation operated in something more powerful than what the former generation did. Amen. It's always going to be that way. Yeah. It's always going to be that way. Yeah. And that's what's going to happen in the times we're living in. So <clears throat> what I encourage, I can now include myself in this class of people, to the older people. <laughs> I couldn't always include myself in that class. I was always the young guy. But now I'm one of the not as young guys. <laughs> You're a father. Do y'all like that? Yeah, I make it a father. Well said. It well said. <laughs> it's a time to celebrate what God's doing in the young people. Yes, sir. How many know you can be a father? How many know what a father does is he celebrates? Right. Yeah. He celebrates what's being done in the younger generation. Yes. Can I get an amen? Yes. amen. You, you are the shoulders that they stand on. Hallelujah. And you're happy to be the shoulders that they stand on. Yes, sir. You don't have to be number one. You don't have to be, you don't have to be anything. You're there to support them and help. How many of y'all, that's what fathers do? Let's go. Can I get an amen? Amen. Now, I want to do, I want to, I, I, and we're going we're gonna to end here very shortly. Um, and I want to pray for people. And feel free to leave if you, if you feel like you need to leave. But I just want to take just a moment of time, not too much time, maybe five, five, six, seven minutes. And brother, I want you to come up here. Me? You. Mm-hmm. And I want you to share a little bit of what you were sharing with me over lunch. Okay. Cool. About fathers. Okay. Yeah, man. Because uh, we had lunch. Uh, this, we had lunch yesterday, and as he started sharing, I thought, dude, he's right where I'm at. And just share a little bit about fathers, please. So if you think about all the prophets in the Bible, what other prophet do we read about who actually specifically called his successor out and walked with him for a season of time? And when he left, he left the mantle to his son to carry on his ministry. Samuel's son certainly didn't. That's right. Uh, Eli's son certainly didn't. Yeah. But Elijah, it's very interesting, Elijah demonstrated the power of God that turned a generation. But he's also the only prophet that we read about who specifically called his son into ministry. What did Elisha say when Elijah was taken into heaven? My father, my father. Elisha was determined to be with Elijah when he died, despite Elijah's effort to say, wait, you you can stay here. It's okay. I'm going to go on from here. And Elisha said, no way, because I'm going to be with you when you when you leave so that I can receive the double portion. That double portion is not talking about doing twice as much. The double portion was the the inheritance of the firstborn son. And as the firstborn son stands on the shoulders of the father, he will accomplish more than what the father accomplished. But the double portion anointing is not an anointing so you're able to do more. It's the double portion anointing of the firstborn son who is now the father of the next generation. Come on, man. God has called fathers to raise up children to become young men and young men to become fathers. Amen. And the, turning the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of children to the fathers is not 
only about the generations working together. It is that. Sure. It is the generations working together, but it's fathers being willing to create space that young men can step into to function to the point where they are now able to turn to the son and say, today, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. From, from this moment on, now you listen to him. I'm stepping out. John the Baptist said, I must decrease so that he can increase. John the Baptist prepared the way, but he knew that when it was time for him to step out of the way and let Jesus, the next generation, step into that place. Fathering is is about creating space and encouraging and blessing. Blessing means to empower, to prosper. When God created Adam and Eve, he told them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. And then he blessed them. And that blessing literally means he empowered them to prosper. He empowered them to fulfill the exact things that he told them to do. So as fathers, one of our, our primary purposes in the kingdom of God is to bless our children. Empower them to prosper to fulfill the destiny for which they were created. We cannot do that ourselves. We need a father to do that. Now, God says, I'll be a father to the fatherless. But God's first intention is that earthly fathers would be fathers to their own children. We have a fatherless generation, not only in our culture, but sadly in, in much of the body of Christ. We have many teachers but not many fathers. Mm -hmm. And it's time God is raising up fathers for this generation. Yes, sir. sir. You know, when we talked to some of the students yesterday, uh, they wanted more. You know what I mean? And and to create a space for them to operate. They went to Asbury and talked to students. Yeah, keep talking about that. I'm sorry, I just wanted them to know context. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, but that's, you know, they're, they're, they're ready. You know, mm-hmm. something happened that's marked them and it's going to be significant. Yeah. And, and they're looking for more, you yeah. know, to do more, to be part of more, to see more of God. And if we can create space for them to hash that out, man. It's good. Just, so it's not the role of a father to be the one that's up front and yeah. that everybody sees. It's the role of the father to equip and push others ahead of themselves. Yeah. Yes. So that here, it's now your day. It's time for you to shine. Mm-hmm. And, and as fathers, we have to be able to release the next generation into ministry. And that's yeah. sadly one of the biggest failures of fathers is that we want to keep the spotlight on ourselves. Yeah. We, we can't stand to let go and we can't stand to be relegated to the back row. Mm-hmm. But you know, we can be more... As fathers, we can be still blessing from, the, from behind the scenes. We don't have to be the one that's standing out there. We can powerfully bless and empower the next generation to, to shine in their day and to continue the works of power that Jesus did because Elijah, in the form of, of John the Baptist, prepared a way for him, and he said, you increase and I'm going to decrease. I'm going to step out of the way and let the next generation take it from here. That's good, man. <laughs> yes, please. Talk. So, so good. Thank you. I have boys. Mm-hmm. I have three boys. One's my nephew, but 
will say to me, hey, I'm listening to so-and-so. He's teaching me to be a man. He's teaching me what it is to be a man. You know, these, this generation, we had this conversation yesterday that this generation of children are fatherless. You know, women have been, you know, I come from, you know, I'm, I, I'm a divorcee. My children grew up. Dad wasn't always in the picture on an everyday basis. And so they learned from a female. You know, and, and Ethan, he's with me because his father passed away about five years ago. Mm -hmm. And so at the end of the day, no matter how much I give them and love them and want to do everything and teach them everything, I can't teach them how to be a man. Right. And I know that. Yeah. You know, and so watching some, you know, them coming back, you know, building the relationship, you know, my two with their own dad. And then now with, you know, the man that I'm married to now, bringing Ethan up and teaching him, you know, this is what a man does. I can't teach him what a man does because I'm a woman. Yeah. And so they are hungry. They are hungry. They are. Yeah, that's good. Even First the natural and then the spiritual. Yeah. yeah. It's good. Yeah, it's good. I think we're getting ready to enter in a season to where we have a strong leadership of men that are being raised. Yes. But they need the Amen. older generation to Amen. be in there with them and yeah. put their arms around them and say, this is a man. This yeah. is what men do. Yeah. yeah. And, and men are. okay. And, and we need to accept that. Yes. And men are evil. And they're not no. toxic. No. They're here to serve. They're here Amen. to help. Yeah, and because and it's been under attack for so long masculinity the enemy always tries to remove the man because yeah. mm -hmm. if he can remove the man he can have his way and, I, and I'm, I'm not speaking disparagingly over the women I was raised by a single mom yeah. ladies and gentlemen if the women hadn't stepped up, stepped up this world would have crashed a long time ago Amen. because the man has been removed the women have had to step up Absolutely. and keep things running but God wants to restore that's right Amen. Amen. Right. there's a reason it's in the word yeah I want to tell you something. Please. <clears throat> it's coming to see, there's, it, it's been coming for a while, but some of the greatest heroes in American history are covert officers. <clears throat> They've never been known. They never will be known. But they laid down their life to serve the nation, to protect the nation. Yeah. There are things that God's calling to, calling to, to us that are covert, that are done without recognition, that are done without being seen by, where it's just about the good of another person, and yeah. there's no recognition mm -hmm. for it. Yeah. And and I, I just feel that, that there's going to be invitations more and more for us to do that, where it's not about where what, what is seen, it's about how we're loving and how we're serving and how... Uh, we're doing things for the kingdom. It's not about recognition. It's for solely for the purpose of love, that we're laying our life down, that we're giving of ourselves, that we're doing something for the sake of for the sake of that person, for the sake of mm -hmm. the kingdom going forth. That's good. And I feel like there are several there are several people that God has that God has and God raising up. Lord's told me He calls them. They're my aces in the sleep. The, it's it's the one it's the it's the thing that he'll pull out just just to just to can just to mess everything up to bring about how he wants to handle the play. And um, I just feel that's a season two because it's 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 about it's the the time of a single person getting recognition is over. 
And Amen. it's about us being the body of Christ. But there is something about serving for the sake of love that I feel like God is really burning that in the heart of his people. Like just to, to be abandoned to the, to the kingdom and be abandoned to doing good to others regardless of, of, of return, regardless of recognition. And watch what God does with that. And you, you won't hear about it. You won't hear names anymore. You'll just see people's lives being changed. It's good. It's good. Well, what's the scripture? Don't let your left hand know what the right is doing. It's good. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Why, why do we want credit anyway? Yeah. That's right. All credit goes to him. Please, Connie. Um, I know yesterday I was just pondering on the scripture where Jesus said, um, you know, that, that in the world they lord it over one sure. another, mm -hmm. but but not so among you. Yeah, right. You know, it's not going to be that way. It's yeah. not going to be that way in the body of Christ. You know, we're actually supposed to put the towel and wash wash the feet. Yeah, know? and it feels good too to serve. It's good. Yeah. Amen. Okay, so now I feel led to do something, and we're closing. But I do feel led to do something else. Brother, come up here, man. And I want the I want the fathers to come up here. I want you to pray for us, absolutely, because you're carrying something, man, that uh, God has placed on the inside of you. So if you're a father, come on up, and I and I want him to pray for us. And um, because I feel like, and those are, and those of you that are sitting, just reach your hands out and pray for us too, because we need help, and uh, we need to be the fathers that we're called to be. Lord, I thank you for these men, men that you have called. Thank you, God. First of all, by virtue of the sex that you created them. Thank you, God. And secondly, because they are your sons, and as your sons, you have called them to become fathers. Yes, Lord. Every son is called, equipped, and empowered to become a father. Thank you, God. So, Lord, today... I release that fathering anointing first in the natural to impart blessing to their natural children, but secondly in the spirit realm, Lord, that they would have a father's heart to speak blessing, to speak life, to create space for spiritual children who will follow them. And Lord, I pray for an anointing to... Be able to discern the difference between fathering children and fathering young men. Yes. Yes. Lord, that as young as the children come into the young man stage, Lord, that they would turn their focus on Jesus and teaching the young men how to hear from their father, God, yes. and not just from an earthly father. And Lord, that there would be a release, there would be an empowerment, there would be a raising up, there would be a strengthening that comes from the Father to the Son so that as fathers we will come to the place where we are able to say and really mean it, it's time for me to decrease and it's time for you to increase. It's time for you to step into the place of Father where your voice is heard, where your voice is the voice of your heavenly father speaking life speaking blessing speaking hope to an, to the next generation lord right now in jesus name i pray that the hearts of these fathers will be turned 
to their children in ways that they never have before. Lord, as you, as their heavenly Father, fill their hearts with your love in a way that they've never experienced it before. Lord, let them experience Father's embrace. Let them experience Father's heart right now in Jesus' name. Lord, a heart of love, a heart of, of compassion. Lord, every one of us have suffered pain, have suffered wounds. We have suffered destructive attempts on our lives and on our character, on our nature as men. But Lord, you can bring healing. You will bring healing. So right now I declare life, wholeness, and healing to the soul of these men in Jesus' name. Lord, that their hearts, as they are turning more and more toward you, that they would be filled with the anointing to be fathers in the kingdom, that they would be filled with the anointing to bless their children and to bless the next generation. And Lord, do this good work in their lives in a way that they will not be able to deny it. It will be obvious to them and it will become obvious to the people around them because of the anointing that you place in their lives, because of the work that you're doing in their hearts, and because of the work that by your grace they will do in this world. That supernatural ability to be what they cannot be, to do what they cannot do, that grace that can only come from you. Lord, let your blessings flow on each of these men right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, let your kingdom be manifested in each of these lives and let your will be done in this earth. And that will be, it will demonstrate that power that Elijah demonstrated that will be undeniable, that will be obvious to those that they walk with in Jesus' name. Let it be so. Amen. 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 Everybody stay up here. And then I want this next generation to come. Ethan, come yeah. up here. You guys, come on up. Caleb, come up. If you would like to, you can come up. Don't feel obligated to, because I know that you. this is probably new for you. But come up and get in the middle next generation. You're standing in for your generation. You're standing in for your generation. And let's all gather around and pray. Y'all get close so we can pray for everybody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. Praise you. Thank you, Father. Father Jesus' name, we just we bless this generation. We bless these young people in Jesus' name. We bless them by the power of the Spirit. Let the power of the Spirit be upon them, be upon their mind, be upon their thoughts, be upon their physical body in Jesus' name. And we declare that this is a good generation. These are good children. These are good young men and women of God. And they are blessed. They are not cursed. There's no curse over them. There's no curse over them. There's no curse over them. There's only blessing. Only blessing. Only goodness. Only the love of God upon them. In their minds and their thoughts. And Lord, I just thank you that they go farther than we ever went. And they stand upon our shoulders. Let the spotlight of life be upon them. Let them be celebrated, not relegated to the corner, but celebrated front and center and chosen. Chosen by God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? You got something? Father God, I just pray that you would continue to bless them with people. 
Lord, bless them with uh, men and even women that would come in and support their call and, and speak to the gifting of God in their lives and, and make places for that to be put on display, oh God. I just thank you for what you are doing in the earth. I see it, oh Lord, and, and I pray, God, as us in the church, Lord, we're here, oh Lord. I just pray, Lord, that we would be sensitive to your direction in this time. Uh, as Jeremiah mentioned, the Kairos time, I believe that we're there again. We saw it. It was on display for us. It's been on display for the world in the movie yes. theater, in Jesus' name. But we're in that time. We are in a time where there is change possible. Yes. Oh, God, truly change possible. And, oh, God, I just pray for the sensitivity and the wisdom, oh, Lord, to walk this out, oh, Lord, and present and uh, Again, uh, prepare places, yes. oh Lord, for this generation to hash that out. Yes, thank you, we God. thank you, Lord. Yes. We praise you. Yes. Thank you, God. Lord. I'm glad got a word to speak over the country. Father, I just see, I don't know, I just see an altar, and the altar is built with living stones, and the living yes. stones are untooled by yeah. human hands. Yes. Father, these living stones are going to reject strange fire, mm -hmm. but they reject strange fire, and they only take the fire from heaven, and they're, they're living stones. They're not touched by human religion. 